0: This is the Forge Audio Network, your official source for all things Forge FC. Here's your host, Anthony Urgioli. Hey, Forge fans, welcome to uh, Together We Forge. This is part three of our interview series with James Hutton, our Forge fan in Qatar. Although he's back now after uh, taking in the group stage. James, welcome. Welcome back to Canada and welcome back to the program. Thank you
1: very much. Good to be back and good to be back in Hamilton.
0: Yeah. So, t- talk about how many matches did you actually get to see live in Qatar? Uh,
1: very fortunate to see 10 uh, wow. across the group stages. Uh, and I think I was in six different stadiums, uh, I think five of which were all brand new.
0: So, made my way around. Is it. Is it fair to ask you to sum up your experience in just a few words or would it take much, many more words than that?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think for me, it, it felt like the world's largest party. Uh, it was like going to a soccer Disneyland where, by all accounts, every 10 seconds you're uh, being bombarded by some sort of new entertainment, whether it's a DJ or a game or a match recap or an activation. Um, there was a quote by an Australian reporter uh, last week and it was take the super bowl and you multiply it by the olympics and you multiply it by the ashes and that doesn't come close to what the world cup is and it felt very very much like that for the two weeks i
0: was in qatar that is a great way to sum it up um yeah it, it sounds incredible the the canada village or the can sorry what was the what was it called exactly i keep calling it canada village but i feel like it was it- something else
1: yeah, the Canada House, that kind of soccer organized.
0: Canada House. Yeah, so take us back there. You you, t- you discussed it a little bit in, um, I think it was our second interview, but this, this Canada House, what role does it play through the entirety of a tournament? Is it something that's just always there or are there specific nights? How does it work?
1: Yeah, they operated uh, two different formats. One, the night prior to a game and one, the afternoon before a game. Uh, and it was effectively this nice, um, headquarters of where Cana fans could buy a ticket come back hang out go swimming have food have beer access or beer and other alcohol accessible to them um, so i got to take that in on the first night and that was uh, brilliant because you're seeing people from all across the country hanging out cpl fans mls fans um all over And it was brilliant. It was really, really awesome to connect and uh, full credit to Canada Soccer for putting it on uh, for not just having a spot for fans together, but many of the players' families, the agents, anyone really connected to the team in a professional sense or in just a family sense was there. And uh, it was brilliant to all be uh, ending our journey together like that.
0: Yeah, It's interesting, too, because when you call it a Canada house, it almost doesn't do it Proper justice in terms of what you visualize, you know, the atmosphere. Because I've seen some of the images, some of the videos, and I mean, it looked like a group of people at like an all inclusive five star resort. I mean, it was pretty phenomenal to see.
1: Yeah. And you know what? It definitely felt that way. It felt uh, from the moment we got to the property, it felt like I was a celebrity, uh, which is not remotely the case, but. You know, they've got people to, there to open your car doors and they escort you to the elevator and you don't have to touch or say anything. They just take you to where you need to be and get you set up with your drink. So, yeah, it was first class service when I was there. And uh did a really good job of making sure everyone had exactly what they needed.
0: So you've taken in this experience now. I mean, is there anything even remotely close to this experience that you've had it in your life or is it one of these kind of once in a lifetime type of opportunities
1: i think uh world cups in itself are very unique and only being to this one perhaps it's hard to say um but even amongst i think the people who had attended multiple world cups in the groups that i was with uh you're not going to get the same ability to go to so many games over such small distances i think uh The way World Cups are going now, where we've got more teams in the tournament, more cities, more countries hosting, it's going to be much harder to get around and have that same experience that I uh, was lucky to have. So between being in easy transit distance from eight stadiums, the Fan Fest, concerts, downtown, tourist spots, that's going to be spread over multiple countries and cities in four years' time. And uh, it's going to take a pretty, pretty large pocketbook if you want to have... A similar experience to the one that Doha and Qatar were offering.
0: Were there talks about, you know, the fact that the next one is in North America and that, you know, Canada would play a role in it? Did, I don't know, do you see people that are, you know, kind of in the early planning stages of, you know, maybe investigating how this went and how some of this could be applied over to the, the, the you know, Canada's hosting duties or the States or Mexico? Um, did you hear people looking ahead? To, to the next one
1: yeah very much so and and i was hoping perhaps a little bit more i heard when um, the russian world cup took off qatar had their own activation getting people ready and thinking about the tournament in four years time uh, i didn't come right, across right. anything that the united 2026 bid had put together and i think that would have been a really really good opportunity to get front and center with all of these fans who traveled to the middle east to say well you can come travel to North America and here's all the different cities and the stadiums and start thinking about travel that way. Um, I think people are really starting to shift uh, what the experience of Qatar will be in North America. And I think it's also really interesting to think about, you know, some of these really amazing stadiums that we have here in Canada with BMO Field and BC Place. I wonder if they're in fact going to be the least glamorous stadiums that are on offer at the World Cup. Um, you think of the historic Azteca Stadium where Forge played, and you can think of all these massive NFL stadiums in the U.S. I think they are really, really well-equipped to host the VIP, the VVIP. The kings and the queens and the politicians will fly in right. and have uh, you know, all you can eat, all you can drink, just unbelievable, world-class service. And I think uh, we've got four short years to get everything we need together for make sure the stadiums are ready the experiences are ready and the fan festivals are ready uh, because it was a really really robust execution when I got to see
0: you know speaking of uh, execution a lot of conversation about Canada and their performance and I'm seeing a lot of people trying to you're trying to align the performance with the expectations and the challenge is the expectations changed quite a bit and we've talked about that almost from a game to game basis it it was like you know, just don't embarrass yourselves and just get one goal. And then it was like, no, you can win a game. And it just kept growing and growing in, in your opinion, after what you've seen. And realistically, where are the expectations now um, over the next four years going into that next World Cup? Because I don't think we're going to be in a position to say, you know, we're just happy to be there. I, I think results are going to be expected.
1: Yeah, very much so. And I'm interested to see how the identity of the team changes over the next four years. I suspect there'll be a mm-hmm. fair few players who are saying this is the pinnacle and I'm going to step away from the international game now. So I think once that's defined, it'll be about goal setting from there. By all accounts, I think we have unfinished business. The idea of getting that first win and being the first team to get out of the group stages on the table. And I don't see that why that wouldn't be achievable when we're hosting and presumably have a, higher seed, perhaps even in a smaller group, if that's how the format is going to change. So those are gonna be, I think, paramount for the team to achieve. But one of the nicest things we don't have to worry about is qualification now. This, uh, all of the games that we have between now and then, we can work into really powerhouse friendlies to ensure we aren't just playing Honduras and El Salvador, but we're gonna try and play some teams from Central or South America, from Europe, Wherever we can get really meaningful games happening, that really needs to I think happen in order for us to elevate ourselves to achieve those goals.
0: I've been reading a lot about the the lack of accessibility um with with the Canadian the players, the coaches, you know the media the fans. I think the beautiful thing about soccer and you know forge fans have experienced this firsthand is that th- there's there's a connection between community and the club and the players and and there there is a level of accessibility there. And there's been a lot of talk about the fact that, the you know, we didn't hear much from the Canada players through this tournament. And, you know, Alfonso Davies, for example, not being made available after, you know, he scored the first ever goal for Canada, wasn't available to the media after that match. Do you almost wonder, you know, when you're, you're soccer, or when you're Canada soccer, and this has grown so much so quick, it's almost like... They've been forced to just kind of keep up with how big this has gotten. You know, do, do you feel like maybe just at the top there needs to be just at least some brainstorming on how they can do a better job? Because if we're going to call Canada a soccer nation, and, and we're starting to hear that now. When you compare it to even you know Australia, who I saw some of their viewing parties, you know, back home, and it was unbelievable. I don't know that Canada's there yet. We, we might be getting a little too far. I mean, you know, it might be time to humble ourselves a little bit over the next four years.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, full credit to the Australians. I think they did a great job. I would say their weather might be a little more um, acclimatized sure. for outdoor viewing parties right now. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think uh, between the performance of the World Cup and all of these moves that these players I think are getting now or will be getting soon, uh, we need to ensure sure, that we're spreading this massive uh, red wave across the country and figuring out all of the best ways to get into the media's uh, mindset, into the fans mindset that we are, you know, uh, we are a team that's formidable and a a team that, you know, has expectations to get results at the next World Cup and by all accounts qualify for every World Cup moving forward. So I think that comes with time, uh, but by all accounts, uh, ensuring that this team's accessible, the merchandise is accessible, uh, just having that logo everywhere is going to do us a lot Mm -hmm. of good. And, uh, you know, I really think with this performance that registration for youth soccer across the country is going to do really, really well this spring. And uh, we need to ensure that the people working at the grassroots do a good job of
0: retaining all of those new players that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Yeah, it's, it's a good point by you. And we talk about Humble, you know, John Herdman, uh, I, I don't, you know, he's done a great job with this club, of course but there's a lot of room for improvement and something I noticed from the way this team played. And again, you know, if you're, if you're for Jeff C, if you're a, 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 you know, a Barcelona or a man city, a, a club that's kind of at the top of their domestic league. And you have a style that you want to play and you can inflict that on your opponents. You don't have to necessarily make many adjustments. You know, that you have a style that can beat almost anybody. Canada played that way, but there didn't seem to be a lot of adjusting for the opponent. Um, And I think the Croatia game, it really, really reared its ugly head. You know, tactically, we talked about how exciting it was to watch Canada, but it it loses the excitement when your style of play is also, you know, conducive to giving up a lot of chances and giving up a lot of goals. What were your thoughts? And you got to watch them live. Just your thoughts on Canada's style and maybe some changes that, that could have been made and probably will be made going forward.
1: Yeah, I think the uh, the Belgium game caught us all by surprise and how mm-hmm. um, energetic we were. We won every ball in the air. Uh, the center backs did a brilliant job of retaining possession, um, and that was excellent. But, uh, you know, a Croatian team that's been to a World Cup final, some, a number of these players have won. Champions League, uh, we got overloaded, I think, pretty quickly on the wings, and then we, we weren't quite sure how to adjust and, and perhaps that just comes with the experience that these players are going to go out and get um, and hopefully you know, showcase in the next World Cup. But yeah, tactically, I think we fell a little short against Croatia and we weren't quite sure how to uh, break free of the possession stranglehold that the Croatians were, were mounting on us. The Morocco game was very interesting because we had that early blunder uh, and I'm not sure... Um, the team knew how to react after that. I mean, we pushed really hard to get be the first uh, Canadian team to get a result at a World Cup, but it was something that it just didn't seem quite to come. And on another day, that Atiba header header goes in, and we're sitting at a 2-2 tie, and I think both sets of fans are actually really, really quite happy with the result. Um, I think there's just a lot of experience that needs to be gained in the next four years, whether we're finding our way to get into the Copa America or we're finding massive friendlies so we can help, shape that identity and I'm sure Herdman's making lots of calls now trying to figure out who's on board for the next cycle and who do we need to bring in or help develop or help find moves for even uh, to
0: fill in the Atiba Hutchinson's of the world. Yeah, and and the attack does look like it's going to be even, you know, for next year's Gold Cup, Canada's, there's going to be a lot more pressure on Canada and some expectations there. Uh, the attack, you know, we saw David and Davies and Buchanan looks like he's the next guy to may take that next step into superstardom. But yeah, you mentioned the midfield and uh, the defense is, is kind of one of those other things that uh, I don't, I, again, I don't know. I'm not as familiar with the the young, you know, in terms of kind of the U21 scene and which players might be coming up during that time. But it's kind of another area that Canada is going to want to look to. Um, if, if there's just a way to sum up this experience and... You know your body clock i'm sure is i I don't know how adjusted you are and how much that plays into your overall experience but just kind of a summation of your time in qatar and this entire experience for you
1: yeah i think it was it was really special um and for me personally someone who's been to you know the qualifiers multiple cycles ago that didn't go our way um i've got to go down to the azteca stadium and watch canada play uh, this was a really beautiful, I think, summation of a journey that, of a program that was built by hundreds of players, ones that perhaps didn't see the World Cup, um, but it's one that we gained respect from each qualification stage uh, we went through in, in every tournament. And uh, it felt like to me, I was uh, reaching the end of the ser- of a series of books. Like this was, we're closing a chapter and we're going to move on to something new and something different, but what we've achieved is really, really special. And really meaningful. And I'm glad the team came together and was able to touch so many uh, lives through soccer, uh, built a really, really powerful legacy. And we get to set ourselves up for a spectacular tournament
0: in 2026. Absolutely. And I'm glad you got to go. And I'm glad uh, you're able to share your experiences with us. James Hutton, our Forge fan in Qatar, thanks so much for doing this. I guess, uh, you know, in four years, Hopefully, uh, you know we, we've learned we've learned a lot from this past World Cup, and I uh, mentioned the Gold Cup in between as well. But James, again, thanks so much for doing this, and uh, we'll see you around.
1: Brilliant, and thanks to all the fans for supporting Canon, supporting Forge, and see you soon. The Forge
0: Audio Network with Anthony Urcioli. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever
1: you get your podcasts.